Welcome to the Mile High Fight Show, where we break down the latest in the fighting world. Today, I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Enrique Cisneros, and we're going to break down UFC 276. How are you doing, Enrique? Oh, I'm doing great, dude. I'm so excited to break down this card. It's, it was one of the bigger cards, and it definitely was action-packed, so I'm excited. 100%. So we will jump right into it. The main event, biggest fight of the night, middleweight title fight between Israel Adesanya and Jared Kananir, a back-and-forth bout where Adesanya showcased his maneuverability and his ability to stay out of trouble. Both men peppered each other uh, with power throughout the 25 minutes, and eventually it went to decision, and the style vendor was awarded with another unanimous decision in title defense. So, yeah, I mean, good for him. You know, it wasn't necessarily, when you talk about the main event, the, like, bombastic, crazy fight that you hope for. Um, And I think a lot of people were disappointed with, like, it not being a super, quotations, exciting fight. But at the end of the day, uh, Adesanya gets his unanimous decision, gets his title defense. He looked really good doing it. Um, And Cannoneer was just a step below. Yeah, I mean, I... I felt like this was going to be another uh, very typical Izzy fight. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just the way he fights is very technical and very skill-oriented. Yeah. Um, he's not, you know, going in there and throwing wild punches, you know. Like, he's aiming deliberately and he's hitting you very precise shots. You're being aggressive. You have to be aggressive with Israel Asanya. And if I'm being honest with you, I thought Jared Kananir did as best as he was going to do. I didn't see Jared Cannonier doing more than this. Um, obviously, Jared fights with a lot of power. He's, you know, a very strong man. Um, and, you know, there was times where he used some of that strength in the clinch to kind of move Izzy, but he could never get Izzy down, um, you know, couldn't really get close enough to hit him, um, you know, with uh, strong power shots. And I just felt like Izzy was very dominant from, you know, the very get of this fight. So it's... Uh, it's really hard for me to say that I saw this fight going any other way besides this. But I think in the same way, like when I used to watch Floyd Mayweather fight, I used to know what kind of fight I was expecting from Floyd Mayweather. And I feel like at this point, not saying that it's a bad thing, but you know, like we got used to seeing Habib fight a very certain way, very, very wrestling dominant way. And um, although his wrestling was very, very skilled and very dominant and, you know, the ground and pound was vicious with Habib, um, you just got used to seeing him wrestle all the time. I think that in that same sense that people should kind of get used to when Israel Adesanya has to fight this kind of fight, he's going to fight this kind of fight. I think that he was able to mix it up a little bit more with Robert Whitaker um, because I think Robert Whitaker was more willing to, you know, step into that danger zone with him. I don't think Jared Cannonier was willing to do that. I don't think there's a lot of guys like Yaw Romero who's, you know, got a chin of a chin and made out of steel and is, um, you know, father time hasn't even beat Yaw Romero yet. He's like 42. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, you know, even Yaw Romero wasn't willing to step into that danger zone with Izzy because – and like I just brought up Robert Whitaker doing it, Robert Whitaker got knocked out in the first fight, you know, yeah. like because Izzy still has that power and he still has the um, ability to put guys on their ass. Paulo Costa got knocked out. Uh, Derek Brunson got knocked out. So Izzy still has put guys on their ass when he's needed to. Um, it's just a lot of guys aren't willing to test that anymore. And 
honestly, you know, just shout out to Izzy for doing it again. I mean, until someone cracks the code, you can't really say it's not a good fight. So, um, yeah, I don't know who, who, who's, who's he going to fight next. I would imagine the UFC is probably going to try to push Alex Pereira, um, onto him. Um, you know, that's why I think they set up the Sean Strickland fight in the very get. So that's what I would be looking forward with Izzy next. And with Jared Cannonier, I'd probably say, um, you know, whoever's up and coming in the division, you know, maybe he even fights Alex Pereira himself if um, the UFC wants to give Pereira another fight, you know. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. But, yeah, congratulations to Izzy for another successful title defense. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see what the, what the next one's going to be. I really don't see anyone beating Izzy for a very long time. Not at 185. Yeah, no, and he, I mean, kind of like you said, it's like you can go for a more exciting style or whatever, but Izzy's, he's trying to win, and he's trying to do it in the most efficient way as possible. You know what I mean? It's almost like he's, like, doing math. He's like, how can I beat Jared Cannonier with as little energy expended as possible? You know, <laughs> like he's just so precise about it, like you were saying. Um, and so it's one of those things where, like, is it super exciting knockouts or whatever? No, but he's extremely impressive as a fighter and is extremely difficult to beat because he does it so smartly. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, props to him, uh, you know, and then we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Obviously, you mentioned Alex Pereira. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit later on the card here. But, uh, yeah, a, a great main event, even if it isn't the uh, traditional quotations, uh, you know, bombastic affair. Uh, so for the co-main event, uh, was a little bit closer to that expectation when we got featherweight title fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway, their third meeting, uh, another 25-minute bout that ended in decision. Uh, Volk was able to remove doubt on the Max Holloway trilogy as he puts Max away by unanimous decision, and it was very consistent in his, in his striking throughout the night and avoiding major damage. Uh, he got like a little cut on his eye. And he ended up opening a, a very large cut on Max's face just above his eye uh, that bled heavily. And though Max stayed in the fight and tried to return fire, uh, it just wasn't enough come to decision time. And, you know, a lot of respect for Max for staying in there. Like, it was a gnarly cut. It was hard to look at. Um, and I honestly kind of thought that the fight was going to get stopped uh, just because that's such a sensitive area right next to your eye. But uh, he kept going. He kept taking punches to the face and uh yeah he really did try his best and a lot of respect to max hallway but uh it just wasn't enough in the end yeah and, and this heart i mean this this fight broke my heart um it, it really really did like i've just i love max hallway so much i've seen him fight so many times i've seen the tip top of his career um and i think he still has you know many more peaks in his career um, but obviously, this is a valley for sure. Um, you know, being 0-3 against Alexander Volkanovsky, and just like you said, Volk eliminated any sort of doubt uh, this time around. And, you know, so I always thought, like, the last fight against Volk and the Korean Zombie, that's probably how that should have played out. Uh, you know, not no, nothing wrong against the Korean Zombie, nothing against him. He's still a, he's still a great fighter. I just think, in, you know, in the later sort of years... Um, he hasn't necessarily been like 
in his prime, truly elite Korean zombie. You know, the true Korean zombie that people are used to seeing. If you would have fought the Korean zombie like three, four years ago, fight probably could have went a different way. Right now, um, Alexander Volkanovsky just went out and, you know, pitched a shutout against the, you know, would-be champion and the longtime champion, Max Holloway. Um, if Alexander Volkanovsky wasn't in this division, Max Holloway would still be dominating that weight class, uh, just like he was. Uh, just unfortunately for him, Alexander Volkanovsky is in that weight class, and he is beyond the man. Like, uh, I'll never, ever doubt Alexander Volkanovsky again. Um, yeah. Not only does he, not only does he, like, truly believe he's the best in the world, but he truly believes that he can get better than he is right now. Um, and it really does, like, he's he looked way faster than Max Holloway from the very get-go. Um, just like he looked way faster than the Korean zombie. Um, I didn't think that Max was going to have that same problem. Volk looked way faster than him. Um, so it's hard for me to pick against Ale Alexander Volkanovsky going forward. Um, not that I needed any more convincing because I've seen Volk fight since, you know, he before he was champion when he was still very new into the UFC. Um, and he's he's been a menace ever since. Um, I mean, just like DC said, you don't win 25 fights in a row without um, – without knowing what the fuck you're doing. So, yeah, I think Volk's the man. I think that Volk is going to continue to get better. Um, I hope that we see Volk move up. I hope that we see... I don't I don't know what the plan is if you're Max Holloway um, or Alexander Volkanovsky, if I'm being honest with you. I could see both those guys moving up because at featherweight, especially if Volk does what he said he's going to do, and that's, um, you know, watch both divisions, at featherweight how many times are you going to be able to fight Alexander Volkanovsky if you're Max Holloway? You know, how many times is the UFC going to set that up? Um, and then, you know, if Max goes up to lightweight, you know, there's, he has to become a whole new contender and there's a whole new, you know, um, intrigue with Max Holloway being at 155. Can you imagine a Max Holloway versus Michael Chandler fight or Charles Oliveira or, you know, there's, there's just so many, um, you know, a Connor rematch, um, you know, Islam Makashev, there's just, you know, even Dan Hooker at 155 could be really fun. Uh, Dustin Poirier trilogy. Um, you know, if Max moved up, there's tons of fights to open up. But, you know, I think Volk could move up right now, step right into a title fight with whoever wins between, um, you know, whoever they're going to set up to fight Charles Oliveira, whether that's Islam Makashev or someone else. Um, I, I think, honestly, you could probably just – Truthfully, just give Volk that belt right now. Just let him yeah. fight Charles Oliveira for the vacant belt. I don't, I don't see any anything wrong with that whatsoever. Um, you know, because you can argue maybe Islam doesn't deserve a title shot right now. I don't. I think he does, but you know, you could argue it. Um, so yeah, either way, I think Alec Alexander Volkanovski is truly amazing. He's truly a great champion. Uh, very, very privileged to be able to watch him fight going forward. And yeah, I, I will never say that I don't believe in Volk because, yeah, he put, he put a beating on Max Holloway yesterday, and Max is one of my favorite all-time fighters. So yeah, I was, I'm still pretty devastated. Yeah, absolutely. It was hard to watch, and it's like you know, number one, hard to watch Max get beat in the fashion, just with everything surrounding the trilogy and uh, 
like as far as the implications for their careers too, which I feel like we talked about a little bit was like for Volk, had Max won this, it's not like that much of a blow to Volk. Like he wouldn't move down that much in as far as how he's considered. You know what I mean? Whereas Max, I think that this puts his career in a rough spot and like as far as where he's at in the division and um, what he's doing with his career moving forward. I mean, you know, like it's going to be harder for him to uh, get back up to a title shot. And, uh, and I mean, you know, is he just going to rule the division when Volk moves up in weight or like what is, you know, just kind of questions of what he's doing next. But, you know, altogether just hard to watch and then hard to watch him get injured like that on top of it. So, um, but a good fight. And like you said, we'll never doubt Volk uh, going forward. He's, he is a heck of a fighter, man. And he's got that aura, you know what I mean? Just the aura of like superstars and like superstar fighters where you just like, you know, like they just have that. I mean, it's, it's such a non, you know, quantifiable thing. I'm just like, you know, that thing that I'm not describing, just that thing. <laughs> but that, that's what it feels like. It's just like with certain superstar fighters, they kind of have like that personality, that aura. And I feel like Volk has that. So, um, but with that, we can move on to our next fight on the card and one that you uh, previously mentioned, uh, middleweight bout between Sean Strickland and Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira shushed the doubters as he defeated Sean Strickland by knockout only halfway through the first round, uh, landing with speed and power and making quick work of Strickland, who's coming off of six straight wins and hadn't lost since 2018. Uh, but now he does and Alex Pereira looks for real. And I think, uh, I want to say that was his sixth or seventh fight in the UFC. And uh, so he's quickly moving up the rankings. And like you said, this uh, looks like the UFC is trying to get him up the rankings to fight uh, Adesanya as soon as possible, given their history together. Yeah, I mean, the UFC was, you know, really, really trying to set, set up this fight. But it all ultimately, just because the UFC set up the matchmaking, doesn't mean they're going to be able to. If Sean Strickland comes in and, you know, puts True. Alex Pereira on his ass, then yeah. the whole, you know, UFC rematch of the old Izzy fight goes out the window. Um, and Sean Strickland talked about this, you know. But um, Alex Pereira came in and knocked that man on his ass. And uh, one... I was rooting for Alex Pereira because I don't really care for Sean Strickland too much. Um, the fight was very quick, very decisive. You know, Alex hit him with the left and then finished it up with the right just to put him right on his back. And um, I could not be happier. Uh, obviously, just like you said, Alex um, has a very, very short uh, new MMA career, but very extensive kickboxing career. Knocked out Israel Adesanya, the champion of the weight class who obviously was the main event that we just talked about, knocked him out twice um, outside of the UFC. Um, Alex Pereira is probably going to be ranked number four. He's definitely going to be ranked in the top five um, as far as the weight class goes. And as he's been running through these guys, you know, we've seen him fight Robert Whitaker twice. We've seen him fight Jair Cannonier. We've seen him fight Polo Costa. We've seen him fight Myron Vittori twice. We've, you know, he's already beat Derek Brunson. You know, there's, He's ran through all these guys, and so I think it's very obvious that the next title uh, fight is going to be between him and Alex Pereira to 
you know, uh, settle the old score. Um, and especially in MMA. Um, and, you know, another thing that is funny uh, about Alex Pereira as well, he said he wasn't, he wasn't uh, impressed by Izzy in the main event. He said that um, it was, uh, it was, it was, you know, a boring fight and, he hopes that um, if him and Izzy get to fight again, then it's a much better fight than that. But the thing that amazes me about Alex Pereira is the power he has in that frame, you know, because he he is the tallest middleweight in the division at 6'4", um, you know, r- an inch taller than the champion Adesanya at 6'3". So, but he has so much power, and I feel like that power is on display almost more so than Izzy's is, um, you know, but maybe it's just the fact that uh, two of his last three fights, Alex Pereira's finished by knockout, um, you know, including one over the number four, fourth-ranked guy uh, this past Saturday over Sean Strickland. So, yeah, I was I was very impressed by Alex Pereira. Um, I continue to look forward to watching this guy fight because he's he's been very electric, and I do think that he's going to be the one that that can give Izzy the most uh, trouble right now because. It doesn't matter who ha- who it's been. They haven't been able to mess with Izzy at all, and this guy's proven to have beaten him twice already. Uh, and not just like a decision. Like, he's knocked him out flat on his face. So uh, very excited to see how that's going to come out, when that comes out. Yeah, absolutely. It's something to look forward to. And like you said, it's like they can set it up, but Alex Perez still got to deliver, and he certainly did. So uh, the next fight here a welterweight bout between Robbie Lawler and Brian Barberena. And I know last night, both of us, when it happened, felt like this would at least be a contender for fight of the night. And with the rest of the card, I kind of feel like it was, at least for me. Um, you know, it was really interesting. One of the most entertaining fights in the night, Robbie Lawler jumped out to an early lead in this fight, looking sharp and powerful against a slow start Barberena. But eventually, Barbarina found his footing and started peppering Lawler with a flurry of strikes and tiring him out, then able to land more with power and eventually put him away in the second round. And it was really fun to watch because, like, Barbarina looked outmatched in the beginning, to be honest with you. Uh, looked, Lawler looked better, and he looked stronger. He had more power in his strikes. He looked faster. He was pushing the pace. And then eventually... Throughout the fight, Barbarina just got more and more footing in it. He started landing more, and then he started landing more with power. Um, and soon enough, Robbie Lawler looked tired, and then it was over. And it, it was a fun fight to watch. Um, I, I honestly expected Barbarina to lose it pretty quickly with Lawler, but he turned it all the way around uh, and then got the finish in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. Um, I, if I'm being honest, I thought Robbie Lawler was going to come in and smoke him, um, especially with, um, you know, Brian um, calling out Robbie Lawler and asking for this fight. But um, it was, yeah, it was fight of the night for sure for me. Um, it was such a good fight, back and forth pretty much the whole way through. Uh, comeback story knockout, um, you know, just everything you want to see in a, in, in, in a fight. And even more so, like I told you, uh, this fight was supposed to be on the prelims. So, yeah, like this fight was going to be a free fight. So the fact that it got moved up to the pay-per-view 
um, which it should have been on the pay-per-view right from the get-go just because of the name Robbie Lawler. Um, you know, I'm so happy because it definitely deserved to be on the pay-per-view. It was just such a good back-and-forth back and war, um, like power shots on both sides. Um, you know, Barbarina ended up bleeding a little bit out of his nose. He looked like he was going to lose many times in the first round. And honestly, like literally in the middle of the second round, um, he just swung that shit and took the momentum and started beating up Robbie Lawler and eventually got the finish. So um, especially when you when you call out someone like Robbie Lawler, uh, who's a legend of the game and who has been through so many wars and hits so hard and, um, you know, just is so respected in the MMA community. When you call someone out like this and you're able to follow up and not only that, but, you know, like uh, have a great fight um, and ended up knocking out the guy you called out. You know, that's a that's a big ass dub, especially on a huge, huge pay-per-view. Like Brian Brian Barbarina uh, you know, made himself some money and some fans last night by um, knocking out Robbie Lawler on the main card like that. That was absolutely spectacular. Um, especially coming after um, and we'll talk about it in just a second, you know, coming after what happened with Pedro Munoz and Sean O'Malley. So uh, yeah, Brian Barbarina made himself some money, made himself um, some fans, including myself last night. Um, and yeah, shout out to Robbie Lala, though, because Robbie was in it every single minute of it until the end there um, and was winning a lot of that fight, um, even at 40 years old um, at a lighter weight class. Um, not super light because, you know, 170 still, you know, on the heavier side, but um, still hard to do, especially at 40 and to look as good as Robbie did. Um, you know, shout out to Robbie Lala for sure because it takes two to tango, and Robbie was in it to win it last night. And, um, you know, the best fan ended up winning, um, and that was Brian Barbarena. And kudos to him, but yeah, fight of the night for sure. Great, great fight by both those guys. Absolutely agreed. And then, just as you mentioned, uh, you know, the card opener, the first fight, uh, Pedro Munoz versus Sean O'Malley, a bantam leap out. Uh, one that we were really excited for to see uh, just what Sean O'Malley is going to be. Um, and it was a big prove-it fight for him. And a disappointing one. Uh, initially looked like a solid neck-and-neck -neck fight between both of them. Landing with power could have gone either way. Um, but unfortunately, the fight ended in a no contest after an accidental eye poke by O'Malley uh, left Munoz unable to continue. Um, so, you know, you never see or like to see a fight end like that. It's just deflating, especially when, like, you know, I'd like to hear your take, Enrique, but when the fight left off, I felt like it could have gone either way and that nobody had necessarily established themselves as the winner of that fight. But if I was going to pick anybody, I think I would have picked Munoz at that point in the fight. Yeah, I I, I agree. And, and this was a frustrating fight because – I, I, I like Sean O'Malley and I want to be like an uber fan of him, but I need to see if he's a contender or if he's a yeah. pretender, you know? And I feel like every time he's, every time he's had to fight someone that's going to prove if he's one or the other, uh, something crazy happens. Like when he fought Cheeto Vera, um, he broke his ankle. When he fought fucking Pedro Munoz, he got the eye poke and there was a no contest. So Every time I need Sean O'Malley to prove what he is or isn't, um, I don't get that opportunity. I'm robbed of that opportunity, and the fans are robbed of that opportunity. 
Um, and but I agree. I, I will say that I thought I thought Pedro was winning based off of activity. I don't feel like Sean was being active enough. I do feel like Sean was checking his leg kicks um, relatively successfully. Some are getting through, uh, especially when Pedro started going up the thigh a little bit. Um, but one thing I, I love that Pedro was doing was um, following that, um, following the stance switch of, um, you know, Sean O'Malley to the T. You know what I mean? I, I felt like he every time Sean switched stance, he was right there, uh, right there with him. Um, and so, yeah, it was one of those things that I thought that that fight could have gone either way. If it would, if, if it would have went to decision, I'm not sure where it would have went. I, I felt like Sean needed to get more active in that fight, uh, leading into the eye poke. But ultimately, you know, it doesn't really matter because it ended so shitty. So, yeah, ultimately, I, I think they just need to rebook that fight and, um, you know, like just rebook that fight right away. Yeah, get that one absolutely. going. Yeah, well, and luckily they didn't get too far into it and beat each other up too much. So hopefully they don't need a whole lot of recovery time. And, um, like, I would love to see a resolution to that one for sure. So uh, leading into the main card, the final prelim fight, a lightweight bout between Jalen Turner and Brad Riddell. Jalen Turner, Turner comes in making a statement with his 45-second submission of Brad Riddell to close out the prelims, stunning him with a strike and taking the opportunity to lock in a guillotine. And, yeah, I mean, this this was fun. I didn't expect it to be quite as quick as it was. Obviously, Brad Riddell, serious uh, fighter, serious contender in the division, and uh, Jalen Turner makes an example out of him and uh, put, kind of puts his name more on the map in that lightweight conversation. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, Brad Riddell is a uh, – he truly is a contender in this uh, division, and even more so, like, he comes from City Kickboxing, who – also has champions Israel Adesanya and Alex Volkanovski on the uh, on their roster in their gym with them. So Brad Riddell, Brad Riddell is constantly fighting, you know, quality sparring partners from a great gym, from a great area. Very prideful, very very good fighter. I've seen uh, Brad Riddell fight a few times now, and um, he's a very good fighter. Uh, Jalen Turner though is everything I thought he was going to be. He's huge for the division. He's lengthy. He's got power. He's strong. He's fast. He's got a killer instinct. Um, Jalen Turner is going to be a top contender in this weight class going forward. Now he's going to get ranked in the top 15. More than likely, he's going to get a top 10 guy next. Um, and, you know, especially in that division right now, you never know where and who that's going to be at 155. I, I think it's a very interesting, uh, very interesting weight class. Um, and Jalen Turner really, really put on a show um, by subbing Brad Riddell in 45 seconds. Like he came in and just took over right away, hit him with, uh, hit him with a good punch, stunned him, got him to the ground, uh, got on that guillotine, and was just able to finish the fight um, exceptionally well and exceptionally quick. So, yeah, I think Jalen Turner probably got like performance of the night. Uh, for me, at least, I don't know if you got it from the UFC, but for me, at least, uh, to open up a pay-per-view the way he opened up the pay-per-view. Uh, or wait, was Jalen Turner on the pay-per-view? No, he was on a prelim, right? He was the very last fight of the prelim, so he was, like, leading uh, into the pay-per-view. Even better. 
that's how you end the prelims. And the prelims were good. Like even the early prelims were very, very good. So, um, you know, to end the prelims that way, to set the tone going into the pay-per-view. Um, yeah, Jalen Turner did his job because all eyes were on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's when people are getting ready to watch is right before the pay-per-view starts, right when the prelims, and that's when everyone's tuning in. So, um, you know, unless you're like me and you've just been watching fights since 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But um, <clears throat> ultimately, like, yeah, Jalen Turner did his job, and I cannot wait to see Jalen Turner fight next. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who he's going to be fighting next, but someone in the top 15 at the lightweight division. Um, but I mean, just watch out because that division is strong and it is tough, but Jalen Turner's got different size and different problems for that division. Um, I almost want to call him like the Israel Adesanya of 155 because there's not that many guys that are six, three, like Dustin Poirier is not that tall. Uh, Michael Chandler is even shorter than that. So, um, you know, I think Dustin's like 5'11", you know, so that length could cause problems for a lot of those guys, um, you know, in that division. So we're just going to have to see how he does. This is almost like a Sean O'Malley type of situation where we have to see if he's, um, um, you know, going to continue to beat these ranked guys. And I'm excited for it. So, yeah, shout out Jalen Turner. Couldn't agree more. And I definitely think it was time for a new fresh face in the, the top contender sphere of the uh, lightweight division there. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, especially with Charles Oliveira taking that top spot right now. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have another name in there. Obviously, he's still got to work through maybe one or two more fights before he gets to, like, uh, even sniffing a title shot, I would assume. But like you said, he's at that point where we see if he can be that guy or not. Uh, so... The next fight on the prelims there, welterweight bout between Jim Miller versus Donald Cerrone, a fight to decide the all-time leader in wins achieved in Uf uh, UFC history, ends in a guillotine by Jim Miller on Donald Cowboy Cerrone in the second round. Uh, after the fight, Cerrone retired and left his cowboy hat and gloves inside the octagon. So obviously, lots of respect to uh, Donald Cerrone, you know, a legendary fighter in the UFC, uh, has roots in Colorado, uh, so shout out Colorado, obviously. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see it for him. Obviously, you you wish that you could end on a win, um, especially a, you know, it would be very cool to go out being the all-time leader in, uh, you know, wins achieved. But unfortunately, that's just not the way it went down. Uh, but obviously, you know, respect to him either way. And, uh, I hope he uh, enjoys the retirement. And he's going to go be a movie star, he says. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I can't, um, you know, I can't say anything but how much I love and respect Donald Cerrone. Um, I've watched Cowboy since I got into the UFC. Um, you know, he's from Denver, has a Denver connection. Um, watching him come to the, you know, ring with the cowboy hat on and, you know, the song that he always picks, the I'm a Cowboy um you know i just i i seen cowboy weigh in when he fought jorge masvidal here in denver um and that was the last time he ended up fighting here in denver unfortunately which was a loss um to jorge masvidal but um yeah i mean cowboy was just known for always being ready to fight always being willing to fight whoever stepping out on a last minute notice um you know and he's fought like the who's who's of everybody 
you know, and to go out against a guy like Jim Miller, who's a classless, you know, class class act himself. Um, you know, it's just it's a nice send off for Cowboy. Um, it's very unfortunate it had to come on a loss, but you know whether it was a win or a loss, Cowboy said it himself. He just wasn't in love with it anymore. And um, you know, just all kudos and all respect to Cowboy. I'm really gonna miss watching him fight, and so very grateful I was able to watch um, watch him fight for all these years. And yeah, just best of luck being the movie star. Best of luck doing whatever he's gonna do going forward. I know that he's going to be great at it. So. Yeah, shout out to Cowboy, shout out to his family, shout out to his grandma for being such a cool grandma. Um, but yeah, just love Cowboy, love love the fight. Shout out Jim Miller as well. Not to have Cowboy's retirement overshadow his win and becoming the all-time UFC uh, leader in wins. Um, that's no, you know, you think of all the guys that have fought in the UFC, George St. Pierre, Michael Bisping, Habib Nurmagomedov, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, Max Holloway, just all these legends, um, you know, and guys even before that, Chuck Liddell and Rampage Jackson, um, and to have Jim Miller, you know, um, from New Jersey, um, you know, be the all-time uh, win leader is just, um, it's very remarkable, and it's a true a tribute to how long he's been able to stay healthy, and, you know, the guys he's fought, and you know, especially you get a submission win over uh, Cowboy Cerrone as your, as the one to break the record is um, is very very special, uh, because that's one versus two, as far as the all-time win leader. So it's, it was a very cool fight and should not be overshadowed uh, by Cowboy's retirement. Even though, um, you know, Cowboy retiring is is a bummer for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, congratulations to both of them. Obviously, Jim Miller on achieving that record and uh, Donald Cerrone on his retirement. And, uh, you know, it's just history going down, obviously not the way that uh, maybe Cowboy wanted it to go down, but uh, it goes down regardless. And I respect everyone involved. And, uh, you know, the next fight on this card here, Walter wiped out between Ian Gary and Gabe Green. Another entertaining one, Gabe Green pushed the pace and landed some solid strikes doing his best to nullify the height difference with his long wingspan. Uh, but Ian Gary stayed patient and picked his shots, delivering with power to end up outnumbering Green in significant strikes and winning by unanimous decision. And, you know, I was uh, the only thing I was surprised about with this fight was the unanimous decision because I could have seen split decision because I felt like Gabe Green got some solid strikes in there and did push the pace at times, but... Ian Gary's such a sniper, and though he wasn't the one that was pushing the pace and in charge of the fight, he really he hits with power. He picks his shots well, um, and he he avoids trouble pretty well too. He doesn't take a lot of unnecessary bad shots. Yeah, I agree to the fullest. And yeah, Ian Gary was exactly what you said. Um, you know, he was a sniper out there. Um, super accurate guy. Uh, just every single shot looks like, you know, he was just aiming it just perfect and just hitting Gabe Green with everything he threw almost. And Gabe Green was a tough motherfucker, dude. Like, he really was fighting his ass off. And, yeah. um, you know, not, not, not taking – I feel like sometimes when people say that, it, like, takes away from the fighter himself. Like, oh, he's just tough. He has no skill. Gabe Green was throwing good, you know, good strikes, and he had good technique and – um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It was a good fight, but Ian Gary just really was on some other.
shit. And I think that Ian Gary is another one of those names that you should probably look out for, you know, that combines um, accuracy with his punches, speed, uh, tenacity, because, you know, Gabe Green was hitting him with hard punches as well. And he still had, you know, still had plenty of chin, still was able to, you know, uh, get the momentum back when, you know, Gabe Green was able to hit him with a few combinations. Ian Gary was able to get out of the way, get the momentum back, start hitting him back. Um, you know, wasn't able, what didn't let Gabe Green bring him into like a dogfight scenario where, um, you know, he could have get could have got caught with something. So the fight IQs there. Um, so yeah, I really do think that Ian Gary can be a, a contender at welterweight. And you know, like I was telling you last night, um, you know, he's got some height on him as well. And you know, I'm not down in Kamar Usman. I think Kamar Usman is in that Alexander Volkanovsky class of like guys that are different um but it's it's you know when you run through the division like volk and usman have you just start looking at anybody that can be different and anybody that can pose a challenge to them and eventually you know ian gary definitely needs more fights um you know like i'd love to see ian gary versus wonder boy like that's like matchmaker dream heaven right there like both those guys tall lanky guys that are accurate as hell um, I'd love to see Ian Gary versus Wonder Boy as soon as possible. Um, and I hope that's a fight I get to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately Ian Gary, um, put, put it on Gabe Green. Shout out to Gabe Green for hanging in there. Um, but yeah, I could see how it could have been a split, but I feel like, um, I do feel like the right decision was the unanimous, unanimous one because I felt like Ian Gary just had control over, the overall, um, like, he just controlled the pace of the fight most of the time. You know, there was times where Gabe Green was able to kind of get some momentum, but Ian Gary was able to get it back relatively quickly. So, um, yeah, uh, I just appreciate another good fight. This card was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just one of many on this, this card. So, uh, uh, you know, another one that was pretty solid as well, and the opener for the prelims and the last fight that we'll cover tonight, uh, middleweight, been out, uh, middleweight bout between Brad Tavares and Drico Duplessis. And to open up the prelims, Brad Tavares and Drico Duplessis uh, go at it in a bloody battle that saw Duplessis try to go to the ground initially, only for Tavares to keep it on the feet. And then a 15-minute striking match ensued. And, you know, Tavares ended up getting pretty bloody, but was super tough and stuck in there. Uh, and, you know... It, this was just kind of an appetizer for the rest of the card uh, and a really solid one to start out the, the prelim side. Yeah, this was, I mean, uh, this is exactly how you want to start off uh, a big pay-per-view, you know, with two guys just standing there going to war. Um, there were so many times where honestly, I thought Brad Tavares was going to get put out, but he just had a chin on him. Um, I mean, at the beginning of the fight, Brad Tavares' hair was blonde and black. By the end of the fight, Brad Tavares' hair was red and black. There was almost yeah. no, there was almost no blonde in his hair whatsoever. Um, he was completely opened up, completely bloodied. Um, and dude, it almost makes me sad because both Hawaiians that fought on the card, Tavares and Max Holloway, got got really bloodied up and really uh, cut open uh, on this card and. It just bums me out to see the two Hawaiian guys. There's only like six Hawaiian fighters in the UFC anyways. So to see the two more prominent ones with bigger names get bloodied up tonight was 
was sad. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, left Brad Tavares for going out there and always putting on a show. Uh, you know, Driscus Duples, uh, Duplessis, I think is going to be. Um, I think he's. I think he's a guy to watch for. Um, I'm not sure how long it's going to take for him to continue to rise up like this. Uh, middleweight is a is a tougher division for sure. Um, you know, but like Duplass hits with a lot of power. He likes to stand and bang. Um, there's a lot of guys in that division that kind of do similar things. Like, you know, you have Jared Cannonier, you have Polo Costa um, that he could fight. Uh, Luke Rockhold's another guy out there um, who's like a, kind of in the legend status that can still, you know, throw down a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say this should take away anything from Brad Tavares. Um, you know, uh, I, I, Brad Tavares is kind of, you know, in the later years of his career anyways. Um, but Duplessis is, is on the come up for sure. And he gets another qu- uh, quality win over, you know, a quality opponent and really bloodied him up to, um, you know, to add that extra razzle-dazzle on the fight too. So, yeah, like you couldn't – you just couldn't open the prelims up any better. Um, and then, you know, on the early prelims we had Macy Barber and um, Jessica I, who had a banger of a fight as well. Jessica, Jessica I ended up retiring um, in that fight, which was, you know, relatively interesting to say the least, but um, still ended up happening. Macy Barber got the uh, got the dub. So, yeah, I would say from top to bottom, from early prelims all the way to the main event, this card definitely delivered. Um, and, yeah, I just couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier about it. Besides maybe the Izzy fight, Izzy fight could have been a little bit more interesting, but can't be mad about, you know, Style Bender getting the win and, winning in the way he did. And then obviously the Volkanovski and Holloway fight went the way it did, which I won't bring up again, but yeah, great card overall. And glad I got to watch it with you even more so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, always grateful to be able to watch it with you, my friend. Uh, A fantastic card. One of the biggest of the year for sure. Uh, And, you know, this Brad Tavares and Drew Plessy one was just a cherry on top to open it up and, uh, you know, I mean, what a way to, to kick off that card for sure. So, and exciting to see Duplessis finally fight after his fight kept getting, like, delayed, I think, what, three times this year. Um, so, finally got him or got to see him actually fight. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll start competing in this middleweight uh, division here. So, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Mile High Fight Show, and we'll see you guys next week.